Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. and welcome back to Whiskey for the Ages. I'm your host Brian Dawson and tonight Hannah's here. Hello everyone, here I am. And Alora's here too. Hi, I am officially home. Officially home, it's great to have you both here tonight and we're in for a new adventure. We've got guests, but not just anybody. We have Dawson's. We have Dawson's. We have There's Dawson's. More There's more of us. <laughs> yes, we've got family. I, I bet everybody thought that it was just the, the three of us weirdos that did this. No, no, no. There's multiple weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got my brother John and his wife Sue. Hello. Hi. Hi. And I've got Joan and my brother Mark. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Mark and Joan specifically, I know you listen to every single podcast. And yes, we do. We are big fans of your podcast. <laughs> yes, and I know that you listen all over the United States because I heard that you were listening to us on your way to Texas. I may or may have not spelled that detail. <laughs> and I also heard that you listened to us on your way to and from uh, East Coast. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then you go up up north to uh, northern Wisconsin and you listen to and from. Mark, you told me what? Last week you did a marathon session. You were binging, yeah. binge listening. We, we binged. We we listened to one episode on the way up and tried to listen to two on the way back, but they were too long. Um, I always thought that trip to the cabin was a long one, but it's not long enough for people. <laughs> We talked 10 minutes too long, girls. Darn yeah, we were, we were into the, the news, but uh, we still have about one article left to listen to, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good article. Um, give you a little synopsis of it. The oldest whiskey that was still available was found in Scotland behind a hidden wall in a castle. And uh, it was 1833. It was put into cask. And it's believed that Queen Victoria actually drank some of it. Kind of cool. That's really amazing. Yeah. And we have to go back and see if we can find the bottle. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, if, if you do, I just want one. Uh, they are said to bring about uh, 10,000 pounds each. There were 40 bottles. And a lot of them are in museums now as well. So might be a little tricky, but. Yeah. We can do That's it. That's a right. terrible place to put whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody drank some, or actually they had some that they, they drank, and they said that it's it's hard to believe that the style that they made way back then could be made as late as the 1950s. It still had the stylings 
of things right on through century and a half. That's pretty bizarre. So, John, what are you drinking? So, I, I actually couldn't decide. I've been saving a couple of bourbons for Christmas. Um, I When I go back to Wisconsin, I usually get some um, J. Henry, and I save it because I can't get it here in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. But on the way back from Wisconsin this, this last time, we stopped at a place called um, Jap the Creed and picked up some Bloody Butcher's Creed. It's made with red corn. Oh. And I've been saving that for Christmas. So I decided, well, I, maybe I should have a, a little bit of each. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. I've got some Jay Henry and some Bloody Butcher's Creed. Uh, good for nice. you. Good for you. That's Sue, fun. I see something in a red glass or something <laughs> red in your glass. Yeah. What are you drinking? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I'm having a Malbec. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We don't discriminate here. We had a Malbec over at the, uh, over Thanksgiving, and it was a really good Malbec. I like Malbecs quite a bit. Yeah, it's so, delicious. So, so Mark, what do you what'd you pour? Well, Joan picked up a, a fresh bottle of Old Forester One Hundred. Yes. Yesterday. You followed my and, advice. Uh, <laughs> we've never had Old Forester before, and no. so. I've been to try it. Yeah, so I decided I better try a little of that. We, uh, I had some of that just last week, and it was one that we reviewed in our at the very beginning of this season, wasn't it? Or was it last? That's season? right. It was the beginning of this season. We had a whole episode just about that Old Forester 100, and you know, every time I have it, it's only like a $25 bottle pretty standard across the country every time it has no right being as good as it is at $25 <laughs> it just it sits right up there with with a $40 with even a $50 it's a great little bottle now is that something you can get anywhere anywhere yep, yep. Anywhere. I, I've got the let me you yeah. know our, our listeners can't see but I actually have the bottle right on hand so you know, huh? How so, did that happen? This is, if I can get it to glare. not glare, but yep. it's got the little orange label at the top. So, but should be okay. able to find it just about in any liquor store. If it's not there, it's just because they're out and they're yep. going to restart right. soon. And and what makes it, you know, a lot of people walk by it. It's a screw cap. You know, and, and, and people will say, "Ah, oh, screw cap. We don't want that." It's a good bourbon. Don't sleep on it. Yep. It's a hundred proof. Sometimes they call it Old Forester 100. Sometimes they call it Orange Label. Sometimes they call it Signature. It's all those things. It's it is it's a, a best buy without it's question. So, but Joan, are you are you having the Old Forester or are you are you having a rye? I know you love your rye. Well, I was I was torn. Uh, but I really wanted to try the Old Forester 100 because of some of the reviews and the podcasts that we listened to. And so I decided I was going to sacrifice a rye <laughs> and choose an Old Forester 100. Well, I sure <laughs> hope. Pressure's exactly. on now. Yeah. What's that? I'm missing a little bit of the spiciness that I usually get from the rye. Mm. Um, but I really like the fruity cherry notes of this one. Yeah. Marshino cherries and... Um, the like 
the almonds and then the, the peppery yeah. aftertaste. Yeah. 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 It's sweeter so than your rice. I Rebel Y100 to uh, follow this up with if, uh, uh, if this goes too long. Yeah. Laura, what are you drinking tonight? It was the Blade and Bow. Blade and Bow. Blade and Bow. Yeah. Blade and Bow is an interesting bourbon. It's Solero aged. Now, that's a fancy word. Solero simply means that if you were to take, I'm going to use a pyramid uh, of 10 barrels, the topmost barrel has young wine in it, the bottom row of barrels has old wine in it. So what you do is you take a little bit out of the bottom barrels and you put it in a bottle. Then you take a little bit out of the next row above and fill those bottom barrels. Then you take a little bit of the next row and fill those bottles. And then you take the top one and fill the very top bottle. So you always have fresh bourbon going into the Solero process, but you always have old bourbon as well. Kind so of like it, an infinity. Yeah, it, it's it's very much like an infinity bottle, but with a barrel. I quite like it. So yeah. it, it's it's a pretty interesting thing. I thought you'd like it. Yeah. I know you've never had it before. Hannah recommended it to me. Yeah. She's it's, like, drink this. Yeah. I'm like, okay. It's one that we don't get super often here in Idaho, and it's just now starting to trickle into our stores. The last time we had it, it was a bottle that someone brought up to us from California. Yep. I had um, somebody mule me a bottle. Yeah. They, they were very generous to do so. But yep. now it's coming into Idaho stores. So, yeah, why not? Grab a bottle. So the name Blade and... I thought what you were describing was out, out in your backyard. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be very nice. We don't have the space, unfortunately. Yeah. But or the dirt. It would be very Christmassy, too. It would look like a Christmas tree. It would. You know what? Yeah, it would. It would. It would. That's a good idea. You could decorate yeah. a tree with like the corks, like make yeah. one. There you go. There Instead you go. of like little popcorn strings, you use little cork strings. <laughs> and the name blade and bow comes from a uh, skeleton key. The blade is the the shaft of the key, and the bow is the the teeth that are on the end of the the key. And they used to hang these keys at the beginning or at the yeah. Yeah. That's actually what comes with the bottle. And there's seven different keys or whatever. Yeah, this is key number four. We've got key number four. Anyway. Well, the last bourbon that I bought a couple weeks ago came with a key. I'm wondering if it's the same thing. Could I, be. I think it is. It could be. I thought it was a key to the place where you get more bourbon. That's why I bought it. <laughs> Hannah, what are you drinking? So, around these parts, I'm a, called a bit of a bottle killer. I, I find the bottle that only has the last few dregs in it left, and I kill the bottle. Um, today, the victim was, unfortunately, a Colonel Taylor Barrel Proof <laughs> Batch 10. It happens to be our last of our barrel proof E.H. Taylor. I realized that only after looking through our little library inventory to mark it as a dead soldier and um, now I'm kind of bummed that I poured it but you know what it's I figured 
you know, like you, like you guys all did, it's Christmas time, have something special, you know, we're family, I'll, I'll pour the fancy one and I'll enjoy it. So, that's what I'm doing. What about you, Dad? I don't know what I'm drinking. He's got like four things there. I got four little one ounce bottles. Okay. Oh, mix them. I'm not going to no, mix them. No. And this is part of our advent calendar. So if you guys remember episodes in the past, we had a summer advent episode. And then we talked about 30 bourbons in 30 days. And then we mentioned a, uh, a winter advent. Well, there's advent calendars for candy. And there's advent calendars for bunch of things. I belong to a whiskey group. <clears throat> and I, I belong to this whiskey group and every year we get 24 of us together and we each donate a bottle and as it works out there's 25 ounces in a bottle provided you don't spill. And then we put 24 ounces together. We give them to a guy and he, he puts fancy I don't know if you can see that. There's a, a QR, code. QR code on it. And then there's a sticky label that I can peel off. And the trick is we try to guess what it is we're drinking. I would fail at this game. I love bourbons, but to be honest, it's like if it's a good bourbon, I'm fine with that. I don't really need to know what it is unless it's Old Forester and Larceny because those are my favorites. But honestly... This game I'd suck at. We do we do the guessing game during the summer advent calendar, and it's actually a point system on can you guess the distillery, can you guess the proof, can you guess the bottle, can you guess the age of it, whole nine thing. I have been in the top three every single year at the end of the points tally. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the top three. I'm very good at the game. Um, during the winter time, the, they, we don't do the points thing. Um, we just kick back. There's an advent calendar. When you take the little sticky off, it gives you all the information about what you're drinking. But it's just meant to be a little fun, fun thing that we do. I am. I, I missed out on it this year. I was a bit too late. The, the group fills up really really fast there's a hundred and eighty of us plus in the group and there's probably 40 very active people and this year our calendar filled so fast I think it filled in two days we opened a second calendar and it filled in six days so we we did 48 bot or <laughs> bottles that we just donate the trouble with this group is this group travels so I've never had the Jephthah Creed. Somebody could just as easily put that in here. I would never have any idea what it is because I've never had it before. But it's fun. So the best thing I can tell you is I'm pretty good at guessing the type. I can tell whether it's got rye in it or whether it's got weed in it or something like that. But I, I'd be hard pressed to tell you what it is. Although this particular cycle, I've got two right and a whole bunch wrong. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Fine. Yep. Well, guys, thanks for well, being Go ahead. This is a bourbon podcast, but what you're talking about sounds like a sommelier. And a third degree sommelier is supposed to take a sip of wine and know what country did it come from? What vineyard did it come from? Which slope did it come from? Which day did they harvest it, and was which year did it come from, and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, and I that's never. just amazing to me. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That really that requires cool. a great deal of drinking and attention. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I could sign myself up for that part. <laughs> so thanks for being on the show, and like I said, we're just kind of open this up. We're going to have a little fun with it. First thing I'd like to ask you guys. Mark and Joan, you guys did a distillery tour this year, or a couple of them. So talk to us about that. Where did you go? Well, we didn't. I, I guess we did a, a tour. Um, we were coming back from uh, dropping Julia, our daughter, off to uh, at uh, her new home in South Carolina. We stopped and and uh, split a bottle of Four Roses with John. <laughs> <laughs> Split it three ways. Oh, yeah, split it three ways. Was that a small batch, four roses? <laughs> it was a small batch, so that's okay. Yeah, that's that all, listen, big. that's only eight ounces a piece. Well, it was a big bottle, wasn't it? Yeah. You got it. We didn't technically split it. There was some left in the morning. You didn't leave as early as you had planned. In <laughs> Something happened, and... and uh, the clock went from 9 o'clock to 3.30, uh, just like that. Um, I don't know how that happens by a fire, but I, it's not the first time. It no, won't be the last. Definitely not. That's right. right. So we were going to get up early and uh, do a little more bourbon touring that day, but um, what did we leave? About 2.30? So, so we didn't even get to Kentucky until the following day, but... Yeah, we had an extra vacation day that we had yeah, to burn it up. Yeah, we had to burn it up. Yeah. <laughs> On our way through, we didn't have a ton of time. We stopped at Woodford Reserve. We just went into the gift shop. We didn't. We asked about a tour. They were booked. We, we didn't uh, tour anything. I didn't, we didn't even taste anything there. No. It was Beautiful too, grounds. It was too reserved for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a pretty drive into the country yeah, and, and everything. And then... Uh, so we, we left there and uh, went to um, Buffalo Trace. Oh, wow. And uh, we hadn't, well, I had looked into uh, doing a tour there a few weeks before we left, and you got to book those out months in advance, so we didn't have a, a tour. Well, but we, we could have. We could have. Because yeah. they said they have cancellations all the time, so I think you could just show up and... Well, but we met these two motorcycle guys that were going to give us tickets. They were... Oh, yeah, they had their dates didn't come with them. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we could have had, we, we, but we would have had to stay until 1 o'clock to, to do the tour uh -huh. with them. Yeah, so during our process of, of at Buffalo Trace, we did some tasting. Um, and while we were tasting, the people we were tasting with asked the the person serving us about a place called Whiskey Thief. And she said, oh, you got to go there. It's this new distillery. They're, you know, they've only been around a few years. It's just a barn in a field. You know, they're putting out some good stuff. Yeah, so I'm like, hey, let's go there. Barn yeah. in a field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was really interested in. You know, having done some wine tasting with you, Brian, out in Temecula, our favorite place, and I think yours was the barn in a field. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so we headed out there. Um, I had a meeting that I needed to attend for work, so I stayed in the car. And so she said, "So, so I sent Joan in to recon, <laughs> <laughs> take it over." 
<laughs> so I didn't really know what I was in for. I just walked in and uh, this young gal came up and said, have you, have you been here before? And I'm like, a barn in a uh, in Kentucky. I've been in a barn, but not in a distillery, like a barn with a distillery. So, so she gave me the lowdown, gave me the the what, ten minute tour because it was that's all it was, just a, a barn in the in the middle of a pasture. <laughs> and um, so, but what was really cool though, I I just like yeah, we're here to taste. So my husband's in the car; he'll be tasting too. But I I got a, a little bit of a head start. <laughs> But what was unique about it is the whiskey thief is the this copper pipe that you can use to fill your glass. And there were four different um, was it four or five? Five. Four five, bourbons. One four rye. bourbons and one rye. And so then you could taste which one that you wanted, and you would select it, um, either one or all, <laughs> whatever you wanted to choose from. And they had varying levels, and they had the they had the mash bill, like like yeah, what it consists of. Everything was listed, yeah. So then you you would pick the one you want, and then you could fill your own bottle at the end. Oh, that's cool. So did you yeah, come home so with the bottle? Yeah. So you would take the put in the the hole of the barrel, and then um, lift up the the what it looks like a long copper straw. And with then it, with it, you put your thumb on the end of it? Yeah, put, yeah. I think it's brass, but yeah, like, like a big straw. You yeah. siphon it out. Yeah. Yep. yeah, siphon it out into your bottle. Cool. <laughs> so, so we, we yeah. tasted, they had, it was four bourbons. I think they started at five years old, and there was a six, and maybe two sevens, and an eight. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, because they're not—they're like picture. eleven years old, so they're not. It's not yeah, a they, very old distillery at all. Yeah. And I remember the first three, I tasted corn, like I was standing in a corn bin, kind of corn. <laughs> it yeah. was strong corn, not in a bad way, but just it was powerful. The oldest one was was less corn, and then when we got to the rye, it was just. There was just a lot going on, and it was very well balanced. Yeah, spicy, some fruitiness. Um, yeah, it was I, I have to interrupt. I have to interrupt. I'm, I'm watching Sue nose bourbon right now. <laughs> and, and, and that was kind of... That, you, you did well. You took two good breaths in. Yeah, he's like, smell this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are talking about smelling, you know, the, you know, smelling yeah, like, corn. Yeah, like, smell the corn? So, so I had to take my two glasses, <laughs> and they smell so much different. And, you know, I think that you probably just smell that there's a lot of alcohol. <laughs> but the yeah. nose is very different. Yeah. And I don't smell corn in either one, but I'm sure one of them does. I just, I think that's interesting. It, it takes a while. I mean, yeah. the very first ones I was doing, I wasn't tasting anything. I could tell you, this one's good, this one isn't. Well, rarely do I, like, actually smell corn specifically. Like, sometimes also, like, I can smell grain, mm -hmm. I can smell earth, I can smell grass, but sometimes picking out the exact grain, I, it, I don't really 
do that much unless I'm having a rye because that's yeah. that it's really obvious with a rye certain, that you're smelling rye. Certain bourbons are easier to detect corn than others. Yeah, I, I think the ones too. that you guys are drinking, uh, Mark and Joan, that one's a relatively easy one to get the corn out of. But don't think in terms of field corn per se. Think in terms of you you threw corn on the cob on the grill, yeah. and you and you're getting a roasted element to it, like a roasted a sweet roasted corn. sweet corn. Yeah, or that's what I'm smelling in the J. Henry. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking the J. Henry would. Yeah. We, it's been a while since we've had a J. Henry. Whenever we go out to Wisconsin, we also go by that distillery mm. and grab some J. Henry. Well, not the J. We go to Forty Fifth Parallel. Yeah. Who, who makes makes the J. Henry? Yeah. yeah. It's a really cool place. Yeah. Yeah. But, I picked up the, the Bloody Butcher's Creed because um, they also make theirs out of red corn, like yeah. J. Henry does. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was really interested in it, and I thought, well, they're going to taste similar. They don't. Yeah. They're very, very different. The Jap the Creed is really, it's really mellow. Um, the smell, the the taste is really, it's just awesome. You have to come out <laughs> with us, and then on the way, just stop by. It's in Kentucky. It's easy to find. It's a big state. Yeah. And uh, you come up. There you go. We drove right by it. <laughs> yeah, right they were closed. They were closed oh, yeah, the day yeah. we were there. Ah. Oh, it, it, it's it's. Yeah. So just point out, it's woman owned, so that's pretty cool. That and is awesome. Really important. They're building a hotel like a couple of blocks from yeah. it. It's in the country. You're gonna have to walk on a country road, but if you have too much, it's okay. There's and, a hotel. And, <laughs> and it's a non friendly place. That's why we go. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. That is good. That is important. Yeah. We'll definitely have to visit it. And you guys. Yeah. So good story. Good story. John, you're, yeah, so you. We ended up buying a bottle of the, the rye. Yeah. Um, and uh, we are saving it until you guys get back to Wisconsin. So uh, you have that to look forward to. Well, that's good. I think I'm probably the one that's looking the most forward to it because I'm like Joan. I love the rice. She's our rye drinker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like the rice too. And in fact, I there was too much in the whiskey thief to fill Well, I the filled the bottle to the brim. To the brim. There was no whiskey. <laughs> well, I just took my glass well, then, here. I can help you with I that. I took it over to the guy that was going to cork it and I said, oh, I made a mistake. He said, that's no problem. And he just poured it in Joan's glass. <laughs> <laughs> So you'll go back there again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that that's that's hospitality. Up, so this is a barn in a field. I mean, not very big. The tour lasted ten minutes. So we, we were there two and a half hours. <laughs> because we were just talking with random people that were there. Yeah, they had some from Michigan tables out yeah. at the end of the yeah. barn, and we were just enjoying the, the company. And company that's, and people that's there. Yeah. That. That's the way they experience it. It's so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so amazing. And what was the name again? It's called a Whiskey Thief. Whiskey Thief. Yeah. yeah. And it's not too far from um, Buffalo Trace. It was like maybe a 15-minute yeah. drive. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely a bucket list yeah. um, item that we have. It yep. is going through and doing a tour. Yeah. That'd be really, really doing cool. Doing the Whiskey Trail. Yeah. We have... 
we have a couple of distilleries out here one of which has reached out to us we just can't get to get our timings timings right to go see them but we've been invited to meet the uh, master distiller out there so that that's a possibility and then on the eastern side of the state we don't get there very often there's another distillery and uh, we've had them uh, some of their products in fact uh, the Kelches the liquor distributors one of them is representing them nationwide right now so that's kind of cool John your story how did you get started in bourbon how did you get started in whiskey let's so not I, count I, the university I, days <laughs> those days don't I, count yeah. <laughs> I actually did not think that I liked bourbon if you can believe that. I, I believe it. I had, I had no experience with it. And I was working for um, an insurance broker that had made a rule that says we cannot take gifts or anything of the sort from insurance companies because that would make us be unobjective. Mm. But this insurance company kept coming, the rep kept coming to me and said, we're having a bourbon tour and you need to come. And I said, but that's not allowed. And finally he said, but Dale, the guy that runs your agency, he said, it's okay. So finally I caved. I flew to Louisville. And to make it legit, I went and I visited a client. Well, I didn't actually visit. I drove past the place. <laughs> I had dinner with the guy that was from the client. So yeah, I had a meeting. And then the next day, I took my rental car back to the airport and met everybody else for this, this big event that I was told, this is a, a big event for your company. And there were four of us. One was a designated <laughs> driver. And, and then the rest of us got to drink, drink some bourbon. We went to a place called Maker's Mark. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting tour. I like this, the length of the tour that you guys had out at that in the, the field. Ours was so long that that was the only place we went to. Yeah. And it was really interesting. It's fascinating. I think if everybody should go to a bourbon tour, even if you don't like bourbon, because the whole process is just really interesting. Mm -hmm. But next we went to a museum. That was a bust. There was no bourbon there. <laughs> and next we went to a bourbon bar that wasn't open. We were going to open in about 15 minutes, and we said, but we're here all the way from Wisconsin. Couldn't you just open a little bit early? And finally they said yes. 15 and minutes later? <laughs> we decided between the three of us who were drinking bourbon, we would do a flight. There was going to be six different bourbons, because we had this thing we were going to go to, and I'm still thinking, there's going to be a whole bunch of people from my company here, and you know, I don't want to have too much bourbon, so a flight is between three of us, that's good. But we're trying to figure out how do we choose a good bourbon. There's this guy at the end of the bar. He called himself Big John. And Big John had just gotten out of prison because um, he had gotten arrested for making moonshine illegally. <laughs> we're going to be legit now. We actually have a license, and we're coming out with this product. I don't remember what it is, but I'm pretty sure they never actually did. He helped us choose all six shots of bourbon and you know we're enjoying them he did a good job and i said so how do you choose a good bourbon he said 
I don't know. I don't really like it. I just shoot the stuff. <laughs> but, but I learned in this process that it's it's really interesting the different flavors the, of those six different bourbons. There was it was across the whole spectrum. I, I really enjoyed it, and and then learning that you guys like bourbon. And you brought some uh, with you when you came out to Wisconsin a couple of years ago. Sure. And finding out that Mark's like likes bourbon. The only angst that I have is our dad probably didn't like bourbon. I don't know if he ever had it. He was more into brandy. Yep. Yeah. And so every once in a while, I have to put the bourbon away and say, let's have a toast to dad and have a little bit of brandy. But I really prefer bourbon because it's a whole lot more interesting for me. I, I can't stomach brandy. I, I just can't. I, I equate it to medicine. Because I feel as though we were given a spoonful of bur uh, brandy every time we had a cold. <laughs> when you had a cough. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I, I had enough. And I'm sure Mark has the same experience. I had enough opportunities to sit down with dad and play some cribbage and have some bourbon um you get past the i'm oh, sorry brandy you get past the the medicine and it's like this is a memory <laughs> and that's that's pretty cool i can't tell you how many times i would let dad know i was on the way and he called me somewhere within two miles of town to find out when i was going to be there <laughs> I mean, he knew the trip. Yeah. yeah. And I would get there, and there was a, a glass of brandy with ice. The ice was the mix. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he, yep. Then he took the brandy out of our dispenser. Oh, that, that was... The, I was concerned for Dad, because as he was getting older, you know, oh. they kept... It kept the liquor up in the top cupboard oh, to man. keep it away from us kids as we were growing up. And to really get to it, you had to, you had to get on a chair. And I was concerned that Dad was going to fall, but he fixed that problem. He, he brought it down lower. and put it into the flower bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Yep. But I, I what I like about um, bourbon instead of brandy is brandy is there, there's like three or four national brands and they work really hard to make sure that when you buy a bottle of, bur of brandy it tastes exactly the same as it did last time yes. but with bourbon there's so many different varieties you it, it's it's like going on a trip it's like going on a journey and, and you have you have many different things to experience so that's Absolutely. that's why i really enjoy bourbon it's a really good way to put that i think we you know that's something that we talk about here all the time that each bourbon has its own story the people that you have it with make a difference on it the time of year can make a difference on it what you're eating with it can make a difference on it like it's it's one of those things that bourbon is just always going to have a variety to it and i really yep. love that one of the bourbons that we have actually it's not a bourbon it's a rye our whiskey group has bought several barrels and then we we have it uh, bottled for us we put our own logo on it 
One of them is from uh, a distillery called Smooth Ambler. That they, wasn't a rye. It wasn't a, a rye? No, it's a what, bourbon. It's a bourbon. you're thinking of. It's Old Scout. When we drank it with you guys at the lake, Hannah loved it. Yeah, it was, I, I loved it. It was great. It had so much complexity to it. It tasted perfect around the campfire. We came home and we had another bottle sitting here at home and it was one of the first things I grabbed when we got back from Wisconsin because I already was missing you guys and missing the campfire, the boat, the lake, everything. And I have it and I'm like, oh, that is awful. <laughs> it was a complete 180 for me and I couldn't, I couldn't understand it and I kept, you know, taking more sips, like, okay, maybe, maybe it took me a while to warm up to it when I was sitting around the campfire and I'm just not remembering it because I probably was four glasses in by that point. I'm not sure anymore, but the, every single time I poured that bottle, it was a continuous disappointment, frankly, for me. I actually wrote a whole post about it on, on our website. I didn't write it in a disparaging way to the bottle itself, but more as a commentary on how the circumstance can really change how you feel about a whiskey, how you feel about a bourbon, and eventually wrapping it up into some poetic, romantic sort of thing where, you know, it's... Yes, maybe I don't like it as much as I did when I was over there, but you know what? I get to kind of put a cork in the memory over there, and it gets to just exist forever, like, as that one thing always. And I liked that part of it. I think that bourbon... There's two takeaways that I take from that. One is is the, the experience of the people in the place that you're with impacts how you taste. Yeah. yeah. But the other one, and you didn't actually describe this, but it came to mind as you're describing it, is you might like something really well, and I might not like that, and that's okay. Because mm -hmm. yeah. the best bourbon that you're going to have is the one that you like. Yeah. And yeah. not everybody likes the same thing. Absolutely. I think that bourbon is, and this is going to sound like an odd idea, but I think it's an extroverted uh, drink because it just invites family and friends. I mean, in that neat documentary, you enjoy it with friends. Like, you don't save a bottle of bourbon for a special occasion because all occasions with family and friends are special. So, it's like, if you have a nice bottle, drink it. Yeah. Now, I will say that's absolutely true, but I will also tell you that I will be the first to raise my hand and say I've sat down with a small paper plate of peanut butter <laughs> and a bourbon and just stuck my finger in it and went to town and was perfectly happy with my <laughs> bourbon and peanut butter. I have bourbon and popcorn all the time. Bourbon and popcorn is one of the greatest combinations known to man. Salty I, and sweet. Salty and sweet. Yeah. I love that. Like I, I did it last night, actually. Yeah, bourbon, you did. And, bourbon and popcorn. <laughs> I did it two nights ago when I was still back at my apartment. Uh, For dinner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> well, well, thinking about earlier in our conversation, Mark and Joan were talking about 
you know, the tasting the corn, I think, Mark, you said the first, the first several that you had at the, at the, thief. the barn Whis- whiskey, the wh- whiskey thief. like corn, would it matter what kind of bourbon you have when you're having popcorn? That's a good question. Um, yes, I think it does. I rarely have rye with popcorn. Um, I, I want to have a bourbon with popcorn. I want to have something that's really sweet bourbon. So I don't want anything particularly peppery. I'll avoid any Jim Beam product if I'm having it with popcorn. I'll usually pull down like a Buffalo Trace, an Old Forester. What are the other ones that I grab? Can you grab Larceny? Because Larceny is really good Mark? with popcorn Yeah, I'll, grab, I'll Ma- grab Maker's Mark products. Sometimes I'll grab Elijah Craig's yeah. and Heaven, Heaven Hill products. They all but, have a funk. Yeah. Each yeah. one of them has a little characteristic. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're buying the least expensive Jim Beam or the most expensive Jim Beam. They all have a nut funk. Yeah. There's something nutty in there. Yeah. I won't typically do something ridiculously high proof if I'm having popcorn. I find that I get Kentucky hugs when I do that. It confuses my diaphragm and I I, I don't like getting Kentucky hugs. They really hurt me you and get I'm, them a lot. I get like, incapacitated. You, you, like two times every week I would say you get a Kentucky hug. Not You're anymore. like, oh my god, no! <laughs> We're like, Kentucky Hug got it. She's not going to be talking for another three minutes. All right. So I have to stop us just a little bit because I finished my first. I'm going to go on record as saying, I don't know what this is. I don't think I've ever had it before. I think it's an American single malt. You're the only okay. one who knows. So, so I'm going to peel off the label to find out what it is. And that's the only guess I'm giving. It is... You were wrong. <laughs> Oregon Spirit. It is a straight bourbon aged four years at 94 proof. Cool. I had no idea what I was drinking. <laughs> Never had it before. Was it good? Uh, it was okay. Okay. Give it about a six. Six out of ten. All right. Ten. Go on. Carry on. <laughs> He's been, he... I have another question about popcorn. Yeah. Does it matter what kind of popcorn? Is it, I, is it bourbon butter with microwave popcorn or the popcorn you make on the oh, stove? I, okay. Or that oh, right, popcorn okay. you can buy at the grocery store. So, you're putting up a good point. So if I'm having microwave popcorn, if I'm having microwave popcorn, it is only going to be Orville Renbacher. Extra, it's the movie theater butter. But it's also the only one whenever dad makes popcorn, isn't it? Yeah, but when dad makes popcorn on the stove, it's with the with the kernels. Orville Redenbacher. And it's Orville Redenbacher there as well. Um, Costco's, the Kirkland brand popcorn is actually really, really good too. I like that popcorn a lot. I haven't had it in a long time, but that would go great with bourbon as well. The other Mm. ones I don't, the other brands I don't really like as much either there's too much butter on them or there's too much salt on them or there's just not enough i like the movie theater butter orville redenbacher but when <laughs> that's I, my that's <laughs> the only one we get because yeah. of you yeah. but when i do the orville redenbacher kernels i do put more than enough butter on it yeah because yeah. i because I, yeah. I, I like the butter 
Yes. Smooth like butter. <laughs> yep. does, does Oracle make any bourbon, or do they contribute to any bourbon? <laughs> Not that I'm aware uh, of. As soon as they do, I will let oh. you know. <laughs> yeah, because that'd be really cool. And, and just just as a reminder, you know, at the beginning of every episode, we do a, a disclaimer saying that <laughs> We, we are not sponsored by or affiliated with, nor get any money or remuneration from any brand product that we uh, talk about here on However, our show. However, Orville Renbacher, if you're listening, call and, you know, we can set something up. We can set something up for you. I have a question for everybody. I'm not the bourbon drinker or anything. I do you, drink. No, you are the non-bourbon drinker. Or, yes, the non-bourbon drinker. But now, like wines, you can sometimes have the dark chocolate. Can you do that with bourbon? Yes. Definitely. Yes. 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 And yes. <laughs> nice. Yes. Ask about cheese, too. Ask about cheese. Yes. Well, well, the thing about the cheese is I remember yeah. like a couple of years ago, we were in Wisconsin. And what did we have? It was like Parmesan cheese. Yes. And I think it was because we had tried it before, and we were like, guys, you need to try Parmesan cheese. Well, it's one of those pairing things. Like, every every spirit can have its own food that it pairs with really well, and its own cheese in particular that it pairs really well with. Bourbon pairs really well with Parmesan. Because, because it's salty. The, you yeah. get the salty sweet factor, again, like what I get out of my popcorn bourbon combo. The chocolate... Yes, you definitely get the chocolate. Not in every single one of them. Um, I'd say that, I'm trying to think of what distillery would be more prevalent to have chocolate in it. You I'd, I'd want to say probably Maker's Mark. Yes. Or, make, or Buffalo Trace, because I mean, cherries get a and chocolate. Yeah you, yeah, you do get a little chocolate yeah. in Buffalo Trace. But Maker's Mark products have a lot of chocolate in them, and they're darker chocolates. Sometimes you get white chocolate though too, and it completely throws you for a loop because you're like, that's a, that's a sweetness level yeah. that I wasn't really ready for, yeah. but it's still it's so It's real good. vanilla yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah. Personally, you know, I tend to only really get dark chocolate. I'm a huge dark chocolate fan myself, and I like white chocolate. It's just, I think the bitter also kind of falls into it because yeah. dark chocolate is bitter and whenever i get it it's almost always got to be covering something like cherries like chocolate covered cherries or chocolate covered almonds or chocolate yeah. covered oranges there's or... i mean maybe the orange not so i've never personally i've never really understood that combination chocolate oranges but that's because i've never had it so i could be wrong there well this last weekend when i was in florida they made chocolate-covered toffee. Oh, my gosh. That, that, yeah. that would be good with <laughs> We anything. did here. That would be yeah. really yeah. good. You guys, you guys made it. Okay, so now that you've had that, and you, this may be a, a big ask, go to the grocery store, find a Heath bar, and then find a Score bar. They're both made by Hershey's. They taste different. One of them is sweeter than the other. It's score S K O R. Neither one would match up to what these ladies made. <clears> oh, I, I agree. That would be your daughter. That would be your daughter. I, I, <laughs> I agree. But you'll find that they taste enough different that when you have them with bourbon, one tastes significantly better than the other. Oh, 
Yeah. You should have a show on that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So there's another That's food. That's a good idea, actually. That's a really good we idea. We could do like a food... A food flight. A, yeah. a food flight with bourbon. Yeah. yeah. So there's another Thanks. another treat that we've done. It doesn't happen very much in the winter, but in the summer. I have this mustache here and this stuff on my face <laughs> that marshmallows, when they're hot and sticky, get stuck all over my face. So... I, I've come up with this idea to where if you take a board and put it on the smoker, take your graham crackers and place them across the board, put the marshmallows on the graham crackers, and then just crank up the heat and, and cook them until the marshmallow gets double its size. Put your little chunk of chocolate on it. Now don't just use regular Hershey's. Use like a Ghirardelli. Ghirardelli square that maybe has raspberry in it. Cherry chocolate, my favorite. Yep, Yep. raspberry, the cherry, the caramel. some with nuts in it or whatever it might be. Dark chocolate's okay. And then cook it until the the, uh, chocolate begins to fall down the side. Not melt, just fall down the side. It shapes around the marshmallow. Put the top gram on it squish it a little bit, and then put it in the freezer. Then it doesn't get stuck in your mustache. <laughs> and it's actually, you don't, you, you just make it before dinner, you have your dinner, after dinner, they're, they're cold enough, they're frozen enough that you could just pull them right out of the freezer, and then you have a, and then you you have know, a glass of bourbon with it. So good. It's really good. That that conjures up this re- this memory of how they describe Sanka coffee. It's freeze dried. <laughs> like you make this thing and then you freeze it, so it's dry, <laughs> but you get stuck in your mustache. There we go. I don't know about freeze dried coffee. I mean, freeze dried. There was a company over at my last college. I think they were brand new, and it was a local one, and they were freeze drying practically every sort of candy. They they even went so far as to freeze dry ice cream sandwiches, and I mean I was with my roommates, and we were like, oh come on, like freeze dry ice cream sandwiches. I don't know about this, but we have the money. Let's get it. Same thing for the Skittles. For, I think, the Laffy Taffies as well. I think two hours passed and we were through the bags. Like, (laughs) they were just so addicting. And we were like, why is this Oreo ice cream sandwich so good freeze-dry? We don't understand, but we have to keep eating it. And then the same thing happened with the Skittles and the Laffy Taffies. It was just... We were high on sugar that day. <laughs> but it's easy to eat. Yeah, it's yeah. really easy yeah. to eat. It's almost too easy to eat because of yeah. how addictive they are. And then, Mark, you make bread. Yay! Me too. So you can pair bourbon with bread or whiskey with bread. Definitely. Yep. His sourdough bread is amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, the sourdough bread you made with cheese and meat in it. Oh we still God. talk about that day. I mean, what? I want, I, one day I'm going to ask about the, the exact recipe, like, because I do want to start that. I, I don't know if there is an exact recipe, because what I made for you guys, 
there was a tray of cheese and sausage in the refrigerator, and I just put it all in the bread. <laughs> <laughs> well, it changed. It changed my life. Like, <laughs> no bread ever, ever compared to that again. I came home to Idaho, and I'm looking in the grocery store, and I'm like, "This is just a sad day. Yeah. This is just never gonna be." The closest we can come is garlic. <laughs> Garlic oh. chunks in the bread. Yeah. We were, we were up there uh, in early November, and we stopped up at my Link Brothers in Minong, and there's an outlet store there. So I bought some of the, the um, it's sausage sticks. They're like a jerky, but they have ends and pieces. So it's just, you know, how they even up the, the uh, sausage links. And uh, so I bought a bag of those, and then we bought a bag of cheese curds. And I put a couple handfuls of each in the bread, and I think that was better than what you guys had. So. <laughs> but it's like a sandwich without needing to make it. You just slice your bread and yeah. you have a sandwich. Wow. That's pretty handy. And That's really... Yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry if this goes in the wrong direction, but when you talk about bread and bourbon... It conjures up this idea of cookies and whiskey. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, Mark, that's your fault. <laughs> okay, but Alora, yeah, you've done you've done this. You've made she she's she makes these cookies. Yeah, I watch a bunch of. I don't know how do you say it. It's like the time time lapses. Thank you. Yeah. Time lapses of of recipes. They could be savory, they could be sweet. They usually are on the sweeter side. I came across this one where they were making sugar cookies. They had two different doughs. I think one was red dough with a bunch of food coloring and then the other one was just, you know, the clear cookie dough. And I was like, I can do that. Essentially, they rolled out the clear cookie dough and then they put the red cookie dough on top and rolled it on that. And then you would roll it up to make a spiral. So like it makes like, like a Swiss roll. Yeah, like a Swiss roll. And then when you would slice into it, you'd see a spiral cookie, essentially. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a really cool idea. And the recipe for sugar cookies calls for almond extract. And I don't got that. We we don't have that. So I just went to dad and I was like, Dad. What are some bourbons that have almond flavoring in them? Because <laughs> that was the closest we could come. Yeah. And he, I don't know what bourbon you recommended. It was but probably a Buffalo Trace. Probably. There was at least probably two ounces of that in, in, in the dough. Yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, I would pour a little bit working, and then do. It's called working with what you've got. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So I would pour a little bit in, and I'm like, I don't want it too, you know... Alcoholic. Yeah, and then it wouldn't be alcoholic enough. So I'm like, all right, we're switching these. We're we're hyping up these sugar cookies, and they're just going to be a little on the... A little bit on the bourbon side. So I baked them, and I think the first batch was overbaked, but I, I think that was, like, my first time making cookies. I, I make bread more often, so I'm more familiar with bread um but hannah was hannah keeps trying to tell me oh Laura, you need to make those cookies they were really good cookies 
They're really, 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 really good. The bourbon cookies. complimented the bourbon. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. they weren't so they weren't so much as sugar cookies. And I, in my opinion, it needed to be more sugary. And she was like, no, you do nothing to change the recipe. They almost had like a, they almost had like a shortbread quality to them. And I love shortbread. Oh, yeah. I, like, you, they, you do love the shortbread and butter cookies. They, yeah. They were so buttery and soft and melt in the mouth. They and were. yeah. And I, I, I really loved them. And I loved the little tiny bit of like the bourbon vanilla that came that through was with them. That was good. So, so John's my reference. My question is, with the holiday season now, <laughs> Joan is making her gingerbread cookies. Yes. Which bourbon you guys would go with <laughs> gingerbread oh. cookies? I know, I'll have to send some. I was going to take, in fact, I was going to get one of my gingerbread cookies and eat them while I'm having my dinner. And that would be good. Oh, that would be very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And make us all salivate. You have the best gingerbread cookies. <laughs> yeah. So I would guess... Yeah. I think Elijah Craig's... the recipe, but it's not the same as Joan's gingerbread yeah. cookies. Well, That's what everybody says. Like, oh, we, have to make, we have to make Aunt Joan's gingerbread cookies. I'm like, okay, Chrissy. We will get right on that. <laughs> so about three years ago, it might have been two years ago, Alora made Aunt Joan's cookies. You, she asked for the she recipe. The batch, right? Yeah, yeah she, she made the whole batch. <laughs> There's only four of us. <laughs> that batch makes like 60 cookies. Oh, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. They're so cute. They're so cute. I like it here. I like it here. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you gotta find a little man. Yeah. So, Laura made this batch. We had so much dough left over that it at the end, to February. it lasted till February. And we would just slowly siphon off a, a bit here, a bit there. I remember cookies. once making four cookies because that's all I wanted. <laughs> we we all. We've all been there. We've all done that. <laughs> Don't follow the handwritten instructions. <laughs> Unless you read the talk very carefully. It says. was thinking when she wrote down that left recipe. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That does pair well. I, yeah. I yes, am sorry. John, I'm thinking a Heaven Hill product would be good with uh, gingerbread. Like, a, like Elijah Craig. Yeah. I think yeah. if you got an Elijah oh, Craig, God. if you wanted to put any of that in your dough, I think Elijah Craig would be your winner. Yep. Yeah. And then maybe even drink Elijah Craig with it. I Yeah. Oh, I might try that. That's I might try the recipe again, not the yeah. handwritten instructions, <laughs> but I might try it again. I was, I so was trying to think of how to add bourbon to, to bread, because I'm also a bad bread baker. Yeah. And uh, I, I have this thought, um, I'm going to, I'm thinking for Christmas Day, I'm going to make some cherry rolls, so like a sweet roll with cherries in them. And I put it in the, the glaze. glaze was going to have in it. Put the glaze, put it in the glaze. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you can't put it in the dough because it'll kill the yeast, but if you put it in the glaze. Oh, that would be awesome. Or, or if you Actually, put it in the, put in the cherry. I think in the filling and in the, the glaze. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you could put it in the cherry. Yeah. We like to make caramel rolls, and I think if somehow we 
caramel that has the bourbon in the caramel, that would be yeah. a great word. Yeah, yesterday. that's true too. Like a, like a sticky bun almost? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like a sticky bun? With, with some pecans. Tradition though, because we usually have tequila sunrises on Christmas morning. <laughs> oh no. Is Matthew coming home for Christmas? Um, he is not. Um, he was here for Thanksgiving for a week. He had, oh, he had that was home. nice. Yeah. They came the Tuesday before and left the Tuesday after. So, yeah, we had a nice time with them. So I actually knew the answer to that question because I am terrible at Christmas cards. So today I was sending out Christmas LinkedIn greetings. And although, Brian, you are a LinkedIn connection and Mark, you are, you're not going to get a LinkedIn greeting from me because I thought that'd just be weird. But heck, I thought it'd be cool for Matthew to get one. So I, I did. And he got back to me right away. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, you get I, th I uh, congratulated him on his year anniversary, and I don't think I'd even shut my phone off and I got a response back from him already. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, and we, Julia came and visited us, and that it was so nice. Even though it was for one night, it was like, it was really nice. Yeah, we had that a really so nice cool. time. Yeah. Yeah. And then she got a chance to get up there. And yeah, she's been meaning to do that for a while since she yes. got down there. And that, was, that was so nice. And since we live in the South, I can say this word. All y'all are always welcome to come and visit anytime you want. All y'all? All y'all? Yeah. He's, he's got to work on that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, but I live in the South, so I can say it. I can't say it well. <laughs> with our vernacular we've got a little bit of virtually everything over here i think so I, I don't think that there's like a distinguished sort of yeah no. i don't yeah. think so like people will do the y'all over here people will. Will, people will do um almost like southern drawls over here too which i've never really understood but i get those people on the phone with me at work all the time and i'm like are you really in idaho like are you are you sure you're not in texas like where are you actually <laughs> but they don't have yeah. the drawl like hey you know <laughs> you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes these guys and you know what's so funny is like and i have you guys to thank for this that i can slip into a midwestern accent super super quick so if i get somebody on the phone with that I'm accent speaking with it I, <laughs> she is like, right now if i get somebody on the phone who who has that accent i'll switch into it and then i'll have to go like I, i'm not trying to be like i'm not I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I just, I have family. I, I can, like, I, 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 I'm sorry. Like, I can't help it. <laughs> I fall into it just so easily. I think with some words, they're permanently, I don't know, like, what any word with an O, it's actually pretty hard to go back. Look how what I you guys have it. done to Yeah, it's actually pretty hard. <laughs> 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 I 
I told you. And the sad thing is, you don't even know. No. no. That's just the way you are. <laughs> I don't have an accent. When I learned when we moved to North Carolina, that people just, it's not that they talk different, because they do. There's like six different ways that people talk in North Carolina, but they they think different, and they say things different. I was told I'd be happy as beans. Never thought beans were happy. <laughs> and things are going to be fine as frogs hair. These were things that rolled off of people's mouths. They weren't even thinking about it. They just said it that well, way. Well, and it's a bless your heart. Bless your heart, people. Either way, it's So I have a story. Tells you, bless your heart. I have a story about that. <clears throat> Two weeks ago at work, this perfectly loving lady that I work with calls everybody "hun." You like it's endearing, and this customer came to her and wanted something specific. And she said, oh, hon, we don't have that. The lady blew up at her because she took offense that she was be call, being called honey, turned and walked away from her and walked right up to me and, and said, will you help me? Under any other normal circumstance, I would always say no. Because if someone comes to me, I just think it's kind of funny that they're coming to me and asking me for help. What am I there for? I mean, I'm there to help people. And usually I start smiling. But this particular time, I didn't. And it turned out that it was the right decision to make because she would have blown up at me. And it turns out, yes, we had the thing she was looking for. I wrote it up. And then she told me the story of that lady over there called me hun. And I'm thinking, that lady is the nicest lady you could ever imagine. Why are you being so mean to her? And it bothered her the entire rest of the day that she had called somebody hun and didn't even realize that it came out of her mouth. And it, it's just weird the way people react to things. The bless your heart, the bless your heart thing, that one is up here too. And I think that one is so funny whenever you explain it to anybody who hasn't, who hasn't heard it. Because it's never meant in a genuine way. It's always meant in a, ooh, you're that bless your heart but you're not you're you're kind of you're kind of dumb like well, you know well, well i think i think you're kind of it right. goes both ways it does go both ways I, i've seen situations where somebody calls i've been on planes this is a situation you're on a plane and somebody calls somebody else hun and there was nothing meant by it and it just goes over but i also saw some guy called the, the flight attendant hun he didn't mean anything by it she took offense to it and it colored the whole flight yeah, yeah. so you, you just what i don't call anybody hun i'm just rude to everybody <laughs> me too me too <laughs> wait a minute i think you called me hun <laughs> Yeah. All right. So I'm guess. I'm gonna guess again. I'm gonna guess again. This one. I'm thinking that it's. This is number two. I think this one 
is about 90 proof or thereabouts, and it's a ride bourbon. He was behind a couple days when he got sick. He he missed a couple, so now he's playing he's playing catch up a bit. So oh my gosh, you're kind of right. Your taste buds are going to be different too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one is a rye, which I wasn't right. Yeah, because you said you were. You said a rye. I said a rye. Yeah, I said it was a rye bourbon. And it's a hundred proof, so I was way wrong on the proof. Well, so again, I don't know anything. And it's a whistle pig. And it's a whistle pig. So there was that one time. So I know nothing. There was that one time you got so sick. Everybody's got their own taste. I had a whistle pig at a, a restaurant that we like to go to pretty regular, and um, I saw it sitting up there, and it was calling my name, and I had it, and I hated it. Yeah, you know, and other people call and have, they have it and they love it. You know, everybody likes something different. Yeah. Whistle pig is uh, whistle pig. Talk about the whistle pig. <laughs> whistle pig's an interesting one. I, um, I, on the podcast, on the blog, I'm a regular preacher about value. Like I'll talk all day, every day about mm. the value. Um, for me, when I see Whistle Pig, I go, okay, they're exclusively a rye product. They don't do anything other than rye, and their entry level rye are frankly pretty pricey, and they can get even pricier. Like you can find a two hundred fifty dollar Whistle Pig on the shelf, and for me, going, okay, if that's all you're doing, and your entry level is at this price point. I think, you know, in some place, like I think it's about 70 bucks. It's yep. not cheap by any means. At that level, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'm really willing to, to jump in with you on that. You know, at least with all of these other ones, um, you know, the E.H. Taylors, those definitely get, the like what I'm drinking, those can definitely get a bit pricier but the small batch is pretty affordable like at 40 or 50 bucks right. msrp anyway but yeah the whistle pigs i've always thought are kind of a hit or miss and i think that 70 dollar one is like 80 proof and i'm a bit of a proof hound so i i also i'm like 70 dollars for something that's 80 proof i don't know about that yeah. I, I'm, I'm good I'm good. Yeah, there, there were two things I didn't like about it. One, one big one was the the taste. It just it wasn't it wasn't what I was looking for. And yeah. the second one hit me in the pocketbook pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. It, this this was a bar that every kind of bourbon that they sell has a different price, and that was one of the higher price ones. And I would have been much happier with one of my regulars. Yeah. yeah. Now, so, I I was on. I was on business up in Maine, and somebody else was buying bourbon. We actually went to a bourbon bar. It was the most amazing place I've ever been. It's like, as far as you could see, there were different kinds of bourbon. You should go there. I'll take you. I will show you it to you, and you can take me there. That would be great. <laughs> I'm down. All good to But and then we went to dinner, and then we went to another place, and it was like a speakeasy, except... It really wasn't a speakeasy. And we got to the back place, and the host, one of the hosts, there were three hosts, he bought his drink, and because we were still trying to figure out how do we walk through the bookcase that's open, <laughs> it's, it's a little weird. 
And um, I just said, they asked me what I wanted. It was really loud. I said, well, I'll have what he's having. And the guy behind me said, well, I'll have what he's having too. It turns out they were having a Blanton's. Oh. And we had food because they, he finished the bottle of Blanton's. And when he figured that out, he asked the bartender, well, could I have the horse? And the bartender gave him the horse. He says, I have all the horses, but I know other people that are collecting them. Yeah. And I enjoy Blanton's. I've, I've never got it, gotten into collecting the horses, but every time I've had Blanton's, it, it is a really good bourbon. It, I don't yeah. even know what that's so, so i tell you a little story about that. Our bourbon club is a major sponsor of a beard and mustache contest that happens in early December every year. Are you a part of that? <clears throat> this year, uh, we donated a bunch of bottles. I, I did not put a bottle in, but members of the club put in a bunch of different bottles. So what we did for the Blantons is we, we got seven different Blantons bottles, all of the letters. So if you've ever seen the horse, each, each horse has a different running gallop and the uh, jockey sitting on top of the horse has his whip up or down or wherever so he's moving. Um, right. There's a B and an L and an A and an N and a T and an O and another N. And then apostrophe on the last N and then an S. So, so they're all different. We donated all seven bottles with a different letter. And then people uh, uh, bid on them, and then we sold the whole lot. I think it, I don't know the exact price that it went for, but it went for something more than double what the retail was of the individual bottles. That's pretty cool. Our, our club generated over, what did I tell you? $26,000 for toys for tots just in liquor this year. Wow. That, that was that they were all uh, they were all bid on, and the thing of it was most of the club members bought our bottles back. <laughs> but that's kind of how it works. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the most we'd ever done, and then the the next day or days later, uh, members of the club were already saying, "Okay, let's start gathering up bottles for next year, so we can be ready for yeah. it next year and 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 double up next year." Yeah, our our group over here is a good is a good bunch of people. The uh, people who headed up, they've been on our show before. They've got like the biggest hearts and the biggest ideas on how to do this. The the whole advent calendar thing is their idea. The whole let's do these charity events, let's make things accessible for everybody, let's make this an actual community. It, they do a really good job. It is a here. really, really community-based thing. Over here, there used to be a guy who would decorate his house in Christmas lights. Oh, like, yeah. all the time. And these would be excessive Christmas lights. And what's even cooler is he'd program the Christmas lights to be flashing with music on a radio station. Yeah, he'd like rent out an we FM station. We have that here in our neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. 
And I think either last year or it was last, last year. year. Yeah, it was last year. This person um, who'd been doing this for all of a our decade, lives, a decade plus, you know, we've yeah. gone to watch him every year. He was diagnosed with cancer and was no longer going to be able to put in the work to make the light show, to put the lights up, right. to do any of that. It just wasn't going to happen. And one of the leaders of our whiskey group and among others actually went over to his house and said, we'll put up the lights. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll, we'll help yeah. you coordinate the show. Yeah. We'll do X, Y, Z, whatever you got to do to keep this That's going. What it's all about. This, yeah. this guy is, he, his heart is so big. I mean. Nursed in COVID. Co yeah. He, <laughs> you know, he's a nurse. High, yeah. Frontliner, COVID, yeah. all the things. Yeah. Like just. Well, what, he's really nice too. He, he also has a light show. And he would go to different places throughout the United States in the off season because they would have these Christmas light meetings and that he found out about it and he coordinated people from all over the United States to come over to this guy's house and put up one last light display. I mean, oh, that is cool. And, and there were people coming from Milwaukee. There were people coming from Washington. There were people coming Texas, from Texas. Just to put up lights one more time for this guy. It's pretty yeah, cool. That is so cool. Yeah. So. It's a so really there's I see a puppy. I know. It's I was just going to say Smokey. Hi, Smokey. Hi, Smokey. Hi, Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a puppy. Yeah. We got two puppies that are saying, we need to get out of our bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this has been a great show. So far, we've, we've talked about everything. Let's take a little bit of a break here and then and then we'll uh, go into our Fortnite and whiskey. So my first story tonight, World Whiskey Report for 2023, specifically American whiskey. Well, the once staggering growth of American whiskey has slowed a little bit in 2023. The distillers are continuing to uh, rebound from a global inflation. We've got COVID pandemic where everybody was staying home and not buying anything. We've had some supply chain issues. The world decided to be stupid <laughs> and uh, do kind of all kind of political stuff. But Chris Swanger, president of the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S., known as Discus, thinks there are a lot of economic headwinds that everybody's navigating. And some of those headwinds. Right now, American whiskey is facing a 50% tariff going into the EU, coming up potentially at the beginning of the year, the growth could be stifled. You imagine paying 50% more on the liquor that you're buying right now? Mm -mm. That'd be a lot of people not gonna do it. Uh, Susan Wall, a vice president of American Whiskey at Heaven Hill says, the opportunity for growth still is there. Europe wants our liquor. Of course, we want their scotch. But uh, that's another thing that they're looking at. 
if the tariffs go up on American whiskey, they could also be looking at raising tariffs on a Scott coming back to us. They don't want to get into a uh, he said, she said deal or whatever. But there's another obstacle that's probably as bad or worse. There is a potential barrel shortage coming. As you may be aware, all bourbon, all rye, needs to be aged in new oak barrels. At the present time, unless something changes, they're looking at potentially running out of oak from traditional sources, American white oak, as early as sometime within the next four to six years. That's been something that I've wondered about and even talked about, you know, not on air so much, but that's been a, a regular topic in the house whenever we have bourbon of, hey, what's going to happen when we run out of trees? Because at some yeah. point, we're going to run out of the oak. And, I mean, at my last job, I, I used to work at an agricultural sort of hardware place. I mean, lumber was going through the roof simply because of wood shortages. And another thing is they're even experiencing the same problem with instruments. I play clarinet and they used to make clarinets out of a specific tree uh, or use the wood from that specific tree and it's an endangered species. So now they're having to switch over to a different, darker wood. Hmm. So there's a lot of moving around. And I, I actually kind of see that happening. Like you say, like new oak barrels, they yeah. probably move to a different kind of oak. <clears throat> the challenge is, by legal definition, it has to be done in American white oak. And but, new white oak. Yeah, white oak. So, but if there's none of that, then they'd have to look to other things because it is still a growing industry. And they'd have to rewrite the law first, though. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, Mark, i got to ask you, I, you may or may not know, but in northern Wisconsin, there's, a, there's supposedly some white oak stands. Do you know of any? In the house we grew up in, there's, there's still two there. And in, the, and in Grandma's house, I think there's three or four white oaks. So yeah. I'm sure the woods around there, there's got to be a lot of them. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, I think it's not as dire as it seems, but the traditional sources are mostly in Kentucky and yeah. mostly in Missouri and mostly in Indiana. So they're going to have to start looking at other sources for American white oak. I don't know how much each tree yields as far as barrels. You know, you look at the tree, the tree has to be straight and has to be fairly knot free because if it's got knots in it, it's going to leak. So there's some very specifics. They say about 20 to 35 years of growth before it can be harvested. Ideally, they want them 60 to 80 years old. Well, that's going to be really tough to come by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah that's, that's a tough situation. Most of that stuff's been logged multiple times. And, Absolutely. And not a fast-growing tree. Right. And, and we have a problem around here. I don't know how, how widespread it is, but um, oak wilt, and it attacks white oak. So that those trees die from from that disease. 
That could be a problem as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's 2,600 distillers here in the United States. Obviously, that makes it tough if they're all making bourbon. The episode we did last time, American Single Malt, a lot of these distillers, these craft distilleries, are going that route because you don't have to pay the premium to get the, the white oak barrel. It doesn't require a new barrel. The other thing, like Hannah suggested, maybe the laws change and maybe they start reusing barrels by scraping the insides out and then recharring them and or using they get them again. Oak, or they get oak from, you know, new other. oak from other countries and they start importing that. Yeah. You know. I yeah. thought it was interesting and I think it was your last podcast where you were talking about one of the distillers of American whiskey wanting to write the law so that it required the use of American white oak. Right. Yeah. I thought yeah. That's ridiculous. We already have a potential shortage and you want to just make it worse and i think it's because they're one of the big players and pretty much have their sourcing already figured out yeah so yeah that's 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 a great point uh beer is also fighting back against spirits in 2022 spirits took over the category for the first time in history 42.1 percent of the u.s beverages in the alcohol market in 2022 were spirits compared to 41.9 in beer so there's not a lot of difference no. <laughs> there but beer was overtaken in june the, the beer institutes actually uh started a brand new website called stand with beer i don't understand <laughs> why they need to do like, that but like you're okay. not it's it's a 0.2 percent difference you're gonna be okay i promise your beer like <laughs> but I, I have more beer than i do bourbon honestly yeah. i that that's same silly here. but at the same time the the breweries are jumping in too molson coors just purchased kentucky's blue run spirits a big bourbon producer in kentucky Despite the obstacles, optimism abounds. Uh, Ready-to-drink cocktails are still big and they're growing. Brands such as Jack Daniels, Evan Hill, Jim Beam, and others, they can weather the storm, they can weather the tariffs. They have so much inventory that they can do pretty much whatever they want. And their staples on the shelf. Yep. I mean, they're, they're, they're never going to be left wanting. Exactly. And then digging into the second story I've got, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that tariff, the tariff anxiety, that looming 50% duty on American exports to the EU. Chris Schwanger, president of Discus, says he's exasperated, exhausted, and anxious. So much so that Discus has now a lobbying arm to the federal government, and he's in constant contact with the Biden administration trying to figure out how they can help stem the ties. However, with the world economy doing the things that it's done and the political upheavals in in the Middle East and, and you know, what, just everywhere, everywhere yeah. that's not a priority right now. He says that we're cautiously optimistic and it's largely because, you know, we have that leverage. People making scotch don't want to pay a tariff. We don't want to pay a tariff. And unfortunately, these tariffs aren't, aren't on the liquor. They're on other goods and services 
with a rider with the liquor. They're trying to separate it. When it originally came across, we were having an issue getting steel and aluminum. So we were being supplied a great deal of aluminum out of Europe. Trump put a big rider on and said, okay, we're going to go ahead and uh, say we'll do this, but you, we'll pay you a tariff of 25%. Well, that got vetoed. And, and fortunately, well, for a short period of time it was there, from 2018 to 2021, there was a 12% decrease in American spirits going to Europe, specifically an 18% fall in American whiskey exports. From January this year through July, there was a 27% increase because the tariffs were suspended. So clearly, the tariffs are affecting American whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since 2002, I thought this was a pretty amazing statistic. Whiskey exports to the EU have increased nearly 242%. Wow. So Europe you know, likes our liquor. When I was in the Czech Republic, and this was about four or five years ago, probably, probably about five years ago now, I went to a whiskey bar in Brno, Czech Republic. It's almost smack dab in the middle of the country south very modern city it incorporates modern with its history super super well i love Brno, and they had this speakeasy-esque bar over there that i was told that you have to go to the bar with no name it's what it's called and so you know i go over there and floor to ceiling there's like seven towers spanning the length of this bar and each tower is you know 30 feet tall they've got ladders going all the way up to the top shelf each tower is dedicated to a different spirit there were like two towers dedicated to bourbons rice american whiskeys scotches that's impressive the menu itself was impressive as well like there were there was a whole page just for American whiskey and with a prevalence high prevalence of bourbon and rye and I I I'd never felt more at home I was like I know all these names I know like I've got all these on my shelf in fact there's some of these I can't even find in my stores anymore they had Blanton's they had Eagle Rare they had Colonel wow. Taylor they had Booker's and I'm like these are things that you have to really kind of hunt for back where I'm from but nope over there they just go let me climb the ladder you know 10 feet and I'll grab the bottle you want like a library like a library it was really 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 cool I loved it over there I loved that bar I want to go back but we that go that, back together but that statistic does not surprise me at all and my third story this Seattle whiskey was named the number three best in the world Seattle may be better known for coffee and IPAs, but now they can boast a world-class whiskey. Last week I spoke of uh, a distillery called Westland Distillery. They were awarded the third best whiskey in the world by Whiskey Advocate magazine. The Whiskey Advocate judging panel gave the Seattle whiskey a score of 94 out of 100 just behind number one and two that they gave a 95 out of 100. 
Number one was Glenglasso Sand. Sanded Scotch. And the other one was Highland Park's Cask Strength. According to one whiskey advocate reviewer, the oak influence is exquisite, coaxing out notes of charcoal grill, crispy cream donut, honey nut Cheerios, oh. and a touch of salinity on the nose. I love honey nut Cheerios. Like that's a really common thing that I get for birthdays from friends because they're like, do you need more honey nut Cheerios? Or are you good on honey nut Cheerios? I'm like, I could use more, so. A beautifully textured palette melds the smoke and sweetness in superb fashion, expressing strawberry jam, burnt sugar, campfire smoke, and chocolate raspberry Ghiardelli squares. Wow. Toasted marshmallow honey and cinnamon sweetness linger on and through the finish and leaves you wanting another sip. Sometimes, you know, like, speaking as a reviewer myself, who has spoken reviews, who has written reviews, who has talked in liquor stores with other customers and employees, I can't talk like that about, about whiskey. I don't even know if I really want to. I think there's a lot of great stuff in there it's but why make it sure. a bouquet? But but like you know, I, I I'm I'm as snobbish as they come with these sorts of things. But you know, so, like how do you find honey nut Cheerios in a bourbon? Like you even just do. But but you uh, just do. Okay, you just do. I guess. But, but there's just some things where I'm like I I can't I I can't get there. I can't do that. But, you know, definitely sounds interesting and good for them for getting that 94 out of 100. That's a very high praise coming from Whiskey Advocate. So, so the listeners may recall that I'd mentioned uh, this distillery. And they had four different uh, products that were out there. They had their namesake, which was their uh, West, uh, Westland. But they had this Garyana. So this particular one that was given the number three ranking was aged in Garyana oak. Not white oak, but Garyana. Garyana is a, a strain of oak that's specific to the Northwest. It's also aged in Pedro Jimenez sherry casks and Washington red wine casks. Combined, it spent four years in the barrels. When Whiskey Advocate rated these, they had a panel that said, sat down with all of these. They did not know the producer. They didn't know the country of origin. They didn't know the age. They didn't know the price tag. They just had this whiskey. And they gave this the number three ranking of this panel of, I don't know how many people, 10, 15, whatever number. They said, this is the third best in the year. So that, that's pretty impressive that an American single malt has now been rated that high. So as always, links to the above stories, as well as many others, are posted on our website. You can go there and read the full stories and learn more about it. Well, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. Mark and Joan, thank you guys. John and Sue had to uh, head off. I guess it was getting sleepy time for them. 
that's that's okay. Uh, they'll get to listen in to the last little bit themselves uh, when they they listen up. Lastly, we've got a couple of upcoming episodes. Anna, you want to? We are closing out our season here pretty shortly. Our next episode is going to be another uh, history episode theme scandal. Very exciting. We'll see what that's all about. Um, and then after that, be on the lookout for a poll. It'll be posted throughout our social media on what our last uh, whiskey is going to be that we will be reviewing for the season. Just like at the beginning of the season where we reviewed that orange label from Old Forester we were talking about earlier, we're going to put out some of our unicorns and you guys get to pick which one we get to review. Super excited. We haven't really <laughs> sat down to figure out which unicorns are going to be up for uh up for the guillotine but we're we're gonna we're gonna do that and we're pretty excited and that will be our our final episode of this season it's been a great season really fun again guys thank you for being on the show as we end all of our shows we uh do a ringing on cares all right cheers everybody cheers, cheers. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs>